Everything he touched, he changed. Well done, ladies. Philippians chapter 1, if you'll open your Bibles and just leave your Bible open right there uh, for the duration of the message tonight. There are four things uh, that will outline this passage of Scripture for us tonight. There'll be a few notes within those four things, but I want to preach from verse number 5 where Paul says, Fellowship in the Gospel fellowship in the gospel. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. My, how I enjoy church because I enjoy serving you with these folks during the week and then coming together for church on Sunday is such a blessing. I pray that we would receive the instruction, the example that's given to us tonight from the word of God. I pray for your power, Lord, that you would bless in a very obvious way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Several of the Apostle Paul's letters, uh, all given under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, were canonized into the Scripture. I believe Paul probably wrote uh, more letters and were included in the Bible as he was a writer. And those uh, some 13 letters, uh, often called an epistle, uh, was uh, written uh, to combat sins in the church, uh, to set things in order in the church, or to correct uh, something that was going on in the church. Uh, Paul's letters were sometimes of rebuke, and they were sometimes of correction. For example, he wrote to the church at Galatia, and he said, who bewitched you? I, I told you the gospel. I told you that the gospel is plain and simple. Who was it that bewitched you and caused you to think that you have to add some type of a proof to a man of your salvation? Uh, salvation is between you and God and you're saved by grace through faith. And Paul wrote that uh, letter to the church at Galatia and uh, somewhat of an uh, instructional letter, yet it was a, a letter of correction and very important for today because sadly uh, we live in a day where folks are bewitched about the gospel. I'll say it again in the midst of the message tonight, but salvation is free, salvation is simple, and Jesus said, except you humble yourself as a child, uh, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Salvation is simple. Uh, he wrote to, to the church at Ephesus, and he uh, dealt with their vanity and with their worldliness. He wrote uh, to the church at Corinth. In fact, he wrote to them twice uh, that was included in the scripture and he uh, told them you, you've got everything out of order you're using all of God's uh, uh, work for yourself rather than using yourself uh, for the work of the gospel and he worked to set them in order and then he warned them about worldliness and he warned them about carnality he wrote to the church at Thessalonica Thessalonica may have been the closest thing to a perfect church. It wasn't because it had sinners saved by grace that were a part of it. There are no perfect churches. But Thessalonica was a, was a great church. But even that church were confused. Uh, that church was confused by those who said uh, the coming of Christ has already taken place. And Paul had to set in order the things that would uh, take place uh, and uh, there'd be a falling away. And then uh, 
uh, after that then the rapture of the church and then the revealing uh, of the Antichrist. And so he, he corrected them. But to the church here at Philippi, he made no corrections. Uh, he just rejoiced in their fellowship. It is the most positive of all books. There is little uh, to no correction in the book of Philippians. And it's all built around that verse number 5 that we have fellowship in the gospel. Uh, this church at Philippi had stood with Paul in prayer. Uh, they've stood with him in financial support when other churches had failed to come to his aid. Uh, Paul never forgot their ministry of love to him. As I pondered the fact of all of the letters that Paul wrote, and this being a letter uh, that Paul wrote just one of fellowship and saying, uh, we're good friends and we fellowship with another and here's the reasons why, I thought that's a tremendous a truth and message that I want to give to our people. I enjoy church. I enjoy life. I enjoy serving God. I enjoy our church family. And so tonight I have no intention of preaching against anything as far as sin and worldliness and carnality as he did in other books, but just talk about four things that bring us together in fellowship. Uh, there are two words of fellowship, as I understand from the context in which they're given in the Bible. Uh, the simplest uh, definition of fellowship is two fellows in the same ship. Uh, the second uh, simplest uh, form of fellowship would be a potluck dinner. Uh, but Paul's talking about more than that. This thing of fellowship, he said, we have some pretty serious things in common. And these things that we have in common, they bond us together. And I want to give you those from this passage of Scripture where Paul talks about their fellowship in the gospel. This, this word fellowship, of course, it's opposite of what he says to the church at Corinth. He said in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And then he asks the question, What communion hath light with darkness? Light and darkness are so opposite that they cannot dwell together. They're so different that they have nothing in common. But the opposite of that is true biblical fellowship, and we have things in common. Now, if there's any instruction to be given tonight, it would be this. Let's make sure these are the things that bring us together in church. Uh, sometimes churches get off on tangents. They get off on uh, various things uh, and they come together sometimes as the church at Corinth did because of carnal things. Uh, some would see others as customers in church rather than fellow believers. And so tonight I want to look at the common things that bring us together as a local church as Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Be reminded now Paul is in prison when he writes this letter and he writes this letter to the church and he commends them for these things. He rejoices in the fellowship. First of all, we have fellowship because we share a common birth. We share a common birth. Now it's interesting, uh, you know, families uh, get together and uh, there is a, uh, the, the, the fact that we're brothers and sisters physically, uh, when you get in a group, and oftentimes this happens, we'll have a church fellowship 
We don't fellowship with one another. We fellowship with our own family. All the families come to the same place to fellowship. Have you noticed that? We do that because of our kids too and, uh, and to take care of them. But families come together. There's something about a father, son, uh, mother, son, daughter, uh, brothers and sisters that, that bring us together. If you see a brother or sister, there's something special about that. I look forward to camp this week because uh, my brother Chris is coming and David's going to come down and uh, we'll get to enjoy some time of fellowship. And the bond that brings us together is we are brothers. Uh, we'll think about, we'll talk about that cabin that we built in the mountains some years ago that we had planned to start a church camp and now to see what God has done. But that brotherhood, tonight you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ that brings us together. And Paul said uh, the thing that we share in common is a common birth. Notice if you will in verse number one, the common birth. Uh, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. He says all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi. Not just saved people lived at Philippi. Many people lived at Philippi. But there was something special about the folks that lived at Philippi that were brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to say tonight, I don't want to ever get over the fact that I'm saved by the grace of God and that I have brothers and sisters in Christ to serve God with. It's something special to call someone a brother or a sister in Christ. And Paul talks about the fact that we have a common birth. Uh, what does the word of God say about this common birth? Let me go one step further and make salvation plain and clear. I don't know what's going on and there are different times. There are books that come out that influence people or there are folks that become popular and they start, and they start being negative toward uh, salvation. And there are folks that they'll criticize what they call easy believism. And I'll ask them, so what do you believe in? Hard believism? Do you believe that God gave his son to die on the cross of Calvary to make it hard for you to get saved? If it was hard, why did he call it a gift? If it was hard, if it was difficult, look, uh, the Philippian jailer, and, and so often we read books that are supposed to be about the book rather than believing and reading the book and we get sideways and we get confused about this matter of salvation. Salvation is between an individual and his heavenly father and when he receives Christ as Savior, the Bible says with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and with the heart man believeth. And if a child could be saved in the days of Christ, a child can be saved today. I rejoice with uh, uh, Brother Hazlett this week. He texted me and told me, he said, I, I had the best telephone call I've had in a long time. He was in meetings on Friday uh, in class. He uh, helps with the security of our school system in, in Kentucky. And he said, my phone kept ringing and I, I couldn't answer the phone. So finally, uh, after I got out of the meeting, I called my daughter and she said, uh, Hartford, uh, our uh, son, uh, your grandson wants to tell you something. And he told him, he said, I received Jesus Christ in my heart as Savior today. 
Isn't that a wonderful thing? I mean, I just rejoice in that. That means more than anything in the world to know your children, to know your grandchildren have received Christ as Savior. And this crowd that says it's hard to get saved and you have to come and prove to everybody that you're a child of God. I want to tell you something. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't put any doubt. My job is not to preach doubt. It's to preach faith. And when the Philippian jailer said to Paul, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe with all of thine heart and thou mayest. We share a common birth, a common birth. The, uh, the Bible is clear in that salvation is to all men. Revelation 10, 13, the Bible says, For whosoever uh, shall call, Isaiah 55, 1, it says, Ho, uh, to everyone that thirsteth come, and salvation is for everyone. The Bible does make it uh, clear, those that do not receive Christ as Savior do not go to heaven when they die. He said, you must be born again if you're going to see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. People who reject Christ as their Savior. And I hear folks say, well, God sent them to hell. Uh, you have to cross a Calvary. You have to step over the blood of Christ. You have to reject the salvation that's free and clear to all men to go to hell. You have to decide to reject Christ. But if you do reject him as Savior, there is a hell for those that reject Christ. I want to say, first of all, we come together. There's a lot of things that we enjoy. But tonight may our fellowship be because you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. There is a common birth. Second of all, we share common burdens. We share common burdens. Notice in verse number 7. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. What did that mean? That meant that they prayed for Paul. God, please help Paul as he is in prison and facing a martyr's death. Lord, please give Paul grace. Give him comfort, Paul wrote to them. And he said, we share in that grace because you have prayed for me. Paul is saying in these verses, verses 2 through 8, that we share common burdens. He said, I have you in my heart. One of the big parts of every church service. And I hope you don't grow weary of it is there's a time that we share the burdens and sickness of folks and we pray for them. What a shame it would be to ignore that. One day your name or your child's name or your grandchild's name may be on that prayer list. As I go through that prayer list and I prayed this afternoon and spent time as I do every Wednesday afternoon texting many, as many people as I can as I pray for them and I text and ask them how they're doing and I pray for them. Paul said, I have you in my heart. You and I share the same burdens. The place our fellow believers hold in our heart reveals a great deal about where we stand with the Lord. Did you hear what I said? How much we care about one another reveals how close we are to the Heavenly Father. On Sunday morning as there are folks that are positioned around the auditorium to help folks get a Sunday school lesson on their way in, 
George and Betty Farley stand at the back doors back here for folks that park back here, uh, putting children in nursery or so forth and come in that way and they give their uh, they give Sunday school lessons uh, to folks that come in. And this morning, uh, Brother Farley said, Preacher, I heard this week uh, that a survey revealed that 50% of pastors feel lonely. He said, I don't want you to ever feel lonely. I want you to know we always pray for you and we love you. I don't want you to ever think you're alone. And I told him, I said to him, I don't feel lonely. I'm a very blessed pastor. I'm a very blessed man to have many people that I love and that love me and I enjoy it. The only thing that I dread to hear is I know you're busy so I didn't text you. I didn't tell you. I, I, I like to hear from folks. What a joy it is to share common burdens. You know, it's easier to carry one another's burdens than it is to carry your own burdens alone. We could go into great detail. He talks about in verse number three, the burden of praise. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He said, when I think about you, I say, I praise God for these. As these young people sang and introduced themselves, I'm, I'm going to miss uh, after uh, camp ends on Friday, I'm going to miss them leaving. We've become a, a, a close group of people serving God together. Paul said, every time I think about you, I say, praise God for these folks at Philippi. We ought to thank God tonight. We ought to thank God for one another. As they were singing, I looked across the room. I saw several men that have given gifts to the camp this summer. Just, just different needs and different things that, that you've met. And not just men, but men and ladies have paid the way for young people to go to camp that couldn't afford to go to camp. What a joy it is that Paul said uh, we share common burdens. He said, I have the burden of praise. I, by the way, every burden is not negative. It, it, it's, 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 it's not a negative thing to carry a burden as I prayed for Noah Dunn this afternoon and we text back and forth this afternoon. I thought not only of his physical health, but I thought that, that's a tough thing. That's a tough burden for a mom and dad to carry to have a son in the hospital and you can't go in and visit him. And I, and I, I prayed for them. And that, that's not a negative thing. It's a joy to carry a burden of someone else to the Lord. Not only is there the burden of praise, there's a burden of prayer. Verse number four. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy. He praises God for them and then he prays for them. He carries their name to the throne of grace and makes intercession for their needs and burdens. Folks, can I tell you tonight, church is not a place for a few people to perform while everybody comes and watches a religious performance. No, sir. This is a family where we pray together. We work together. We serve God. We are a family helping to carry the needs of one another and burdens. And that's what Paul writes to the church at Philippi about. Then there's that burden of, of, of partnership, praise, prayer, partnership. Look at verse number five. For your fellowship in the gospel 
from the first day unto now. Paul is thankful that they've joined with him in carrying out the gospel ministry that God had called him to. And the church was faithful to stand with Paul in the times of his need. Notice chapter 4, if you will. He repeats this, uh, Philippians 4, verse number 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell. That must have been some peanut butter. I don't know what that was. And sacrifice acceptable, well, well pleasing to God. He said, I'm thankful uh, for the burden of a partnership. Then there's a burden of pressure. Uh, Paul talks about in verse number 8, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus. Christ, Paul said, I wish I could be there with you. I, I love spending time with you. Time and responsibility prevents me from spending time with you as I desire. Need and obligation calls on me and my time and the gospel work. I cannot spend as much time in fellowship with you as I desire to. But Paul said, uh, we're a family and we have fellowship, first of all, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We share a common birth. Second of all, we share a common burden. And verse number six and number three, the third thing Paul said, we share a common blessing. Verse number six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul assures them concerning their future with the Lord. He reminds them that the God who saved them from their sins who worked in them up until that day will continue until they arrive at home. And tonight we share that same common hope that we're going to spend eternity with Christ together because of our faith in Him. And just as surely as we're saved by the same blood, we're, uh, we're kept by the same God and kept by the same power. Tonight we share the same blessing. Isn't it good to enjoy the blessings of God? I'm thankful for the peace of God, to know God is in control. I'm thankful for the comfort of the Holy Spirit in times of fear and concern, in times of danger. I'm thankful for His comfort. I'm thankful for the blessings that we share together. And I'll not go on in this. Let me give you the last thing and I'll finish on time tonight. We share a common business. And let's, let's go out with this tonight. Verses 9, 10, and 11. Uh, we are not finished by coming for fellowship. We're finished when we go out and we take the gospel outside these four walls. We take the gospel off this property and you take it to work this week and you take it to a school in a few days and you take it uh, to your place of business and you take it to the public. Uh, we share uh, we share a common business. It's a responsibility of the church to let our light shine. We need to let the world know that we're a child of the king. We're born again Christians. We're part of a church family and fellowship that has a desire for the world to know of Christ as Savior. Verses 9, 10, and 11, a common business. 
I've written down three additional words uh, for these uh, verses. Uh, You'll make note of their compassion in verse number 9. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. You know what he's saying here? He said, uh, 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 let's be involved in the business of God because we love God. Now, if you have to witness because it's your duty and you don't want to and you go as Jonah did to Nineveh, go on. But Paul said it'd be best if you did it in the love of Christ. The only, if, if, if the only reason you give a gospel track is because you feel bad not to, then go ahead and be like Jonah and give it. And uh, Jonah cared more for the uh, shade of the gourd vine than he did the salvation of the people. And uh, go ahead and deliver the message. Ah, but it'd be a wonderful thing to say, because I love God and even more than that, because he loved me. When I was unlovable and saved my soul, I want to tell others about him because of my love for Christ. Folks, there's no greater motivation than the motivation of love, the word compassion. Verse number 10, this important word, uh, their business, uh, they were partners in business, uh, that you may approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. I've written down the word conviction, conviction. I believe there is what the Bible calls a Bible standard. The Bible just plainly says in black and white a Bible standard. Uh, For example, there's male and female. It's just a plain truth. Uh, just a standard. There's one God, and that's the uh, creator, Jehovah God of heaven. Uh, We're not to take God's name in vain. We're to honor our parents and on and on. Uh, Those are Bible standards. But then there are what I would refer to as a Bible conviction. You know what I think a conviction is? A standard would be if this is the edge of the road and then uh, you uh, go into the ditch line past the road. Uh, A conviction is to put up a guardrail along the road and extra help to keep me away uh, from the danger. Are you with me tonight? And, And I want you to notice this verse again, thinking of the word conviction. Seeing in your mind, uh, not only do I have the edge of the road and the ditch line or maybe over a hill, over an embankment and and an extra safety precaution as you go around New Circle Road. It's flat as can be. I believe it's 20 miles around New Circle Road and yet they have guard rails and they have wires and those prevent you from going over in another lane. Uh, Those don't have to be there. Uh, To me, those are a conviction to a standard. They prevent me uh, from breaking uh, that standard, that rule. They're just a help. Look what he says in verse number 10, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be, uh, may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Uh, we don't want to live our life as a Christian offensive. We want to let our light shine. We want to be a good testimony as we serve in the same business. And then I've written down the word completion in verse number 11. Let's do this until we die. Let, let, let's just serve God until we die. We, we don't know how long we have to live. We, we may live a, a few weeks. We may live many years. We don't know how long we have to live. Look at verse number 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Paul, Paul's final prayer is that they will be fruitful in their walk with the Lord and they will finish it well. I want to say tonight, you and I are blessed we get to serve God together. And here's what brings us together. It's not business. 
It's not business contacts. It's not trying to just find friends. All those things may happen. But the thing that brings us together, first of all, is a common birth. We're born again by the grace of God. We're brothers and sisters. Second of all, we share common burdens. We share our burdens that we may pray for and help one another. Third of all, we share common blessings of the Lord. And then we have a common business. Of all the letters that Paul wrote and, and all of the correction and sometimes sharp rebuke, sharp rebuke. He said in one letter, he said, if I become your enemy because I told you the truth. He didn't say any of that in Philippians. He just said, isn't it a joy to serve God together? And here's why we have fellowship. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, it's a joy to serve you in our church. And I thank you for the faithfulness of God's people. And I thank you, Lord, as we serve you together, we are human and we do fail and we do have weaknesses. Sometimes we do offend in our words and deeds, though we don't intend to ever do anything like that. Lord, our flesh sometimes is offensive, then sometimes we just get personally tired and we just become offended at everything. But Lord, when it comes down to having a hurt, a burden, a pain, a need, we're thankful for a church family that loves us, cares about us, praises God for us, and prays for us in time of need. Help our church to continue to do what we're supposed to do until you bring us to glory, until the trumpet sounds. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. He's going to sing the invitation song. Listen, if you're here tonight, the altars are open. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, don't, don't, don't leave this place without receiving Christ. Would, would you tonight receive Christ as your Savior? Now, what is it that causes you to look forward to church? What is it that causes you to want to be a part of a church family?